Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. During challenging times, it is easy to focus on the things that divide us. But the Apostle Paul reminds us that we are united with Christ, united in purpose, and united with each other. Enjoy this week's message. Well, I want to welcome you to week three of a journey that we're on. I want to welcome all of those watching online, our church family that are still a part of what God's doing for whatever reason are still online, new guests every week online. I wanna say thank you to all of you in the video venues that are making room and making space for others. A lot of our serve team that are serving others by attending this service there. And I wanna welcome all of you as well. Can we put our hands together and welcome everyone, our 1230 service as well. I'm gonna ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me to Ephesians chapter three. If you're new with us, We started a journey a couple of weeks ago to go through the book of Ephesians. We've called it United, and I love how foundational the book is because there's there's so much anchor, basic, simple anchor truths that you can grab a hold of that are going to help you as you walk out what God has for you in your own life today. And so we're walking through that. We have a, I call it a journey because We say get a guide and get in a group because we do this from time to time where we can really journey together and I think it accentuates us actually retaining and really applying the information of the Bible which is ultimately the goal. We have some uh, guides still available for you. If you're not in a group, we'd love to help you get connected to that as well. So many, many years ago, A young 10, 11, 12 year old, I can't remember, probably about 11 years old, a young guy met a young girl. And uh, this guy, me, (laughs) met this girl, Brandy. I'm the oldest in my family, I'm the boy. I have two younger sisters, I wasn't into her that much. At that time, she was friends with my sisters, so that minimized her strength and power even at that because she was with my sisters. I saw her for the first time. My dad had a farm. We had a pond on it. We raised catfish. We had a problem with the dam. Her family moved to my hometown from here. She was actually born in Keller, moved to Northeast Texas, God's country where God dwells. She moved there. And we went over on a Saturday morning, me and my dad, to check on this dirt work. And the first time that I saw this young girl, she was driving her dad's bulldozer because she's an only child girl. So dad had her driving a bulldozer. I said, that's the girl for me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, any, any woman of God that can drive heavy equipment, I mean, I need, I need to know her. But really, I wasn't into her that much, but our parents, our, our moms actually, they're both prayer warders. They became friends and they continued to exchange prayer requests. So we had somewhat of an arranged reuniting happening. You know what I'm saying? You don't have a chance when your moms are praying together. But when I was a junior in college, I came to see my mom at an event and there she was and she had grown up and we got connected. We got real connected. I'm like, I want to be real, real connected to her. So I didn't have a lot of money. I borrowed a little money from my dad. I went and got a ring and I proposed to her and we got engaged. This is our engagement photo. Come on now. Look at that man of God right there. Come on now. Man of God. Hey, if I looked that good now, y'all couldn't contain me if I had hair like that. I'd be, I'd be so prideful. The Lord took my hair to keep me humble. Y'all know what I'm saying? Uh, man, I, I don't know what would happen. We were really into the connection. We were really into it. In fact, next month we'll be married 25 years. 
And uh, so we, we were real into the connection. I, I mean, I like to say I was actually way more into the connection with her than I was with what came from the connection. But because of that connection, then we had these kids, you know, so we just didn't know what would happen when you get connected. All kinds of stuff starts happening. So there's our family. And then, of course, our relationship with all of you and the opportunity to serve you. Here's why I bring up the point. Some of you would be like, hey, I want to get connected. I want to have that kind of relationship. Uh, some of you might be married and you realize the value that's there. We'll talk about that even in Ephesians in a few weeks as well. But I, I bring it up for this point. It's an illustration in my life of a connect point that when God brought that relationship into my life, I had really no idea all that would come out of it. And so it is with relationships in general, not just your marriage, not just your children, not just the close friendships that you have, I believe many times that when God's taking us to a new place or where we're headed at all is tied to our connections many times. I, I find out who you're connected to, what you're connected to, what you value the most, what you're absorbed by, what you're focused on, then I'll, I'll show you your future and the challenges is what you're connected to and the who you're connected to, can it supply what you need to face what is there tomorrow, and is it leading you in the right direction? Connection's a big deal. It's a really big deal, as I said, undervalued in our world today, but the Apostle Paul knew how important it was, again, as he's in prison, he cares about these new believers here, as again, this is going to become a church, he's in prison, it's, it's becoming and forming into this dynamic church that will be very influential in its day, pastored by Timothy. That's amazing what's gonna happen, but he's at ground level putting in them the things that are needed, and because he's in prison, he's praying for them a lot. He has some time to pray. We have those recorded prayers here in verse 14 of chapter three. He says, for this reason, he says that a few times in Ephesians, so he's saying, because of what you're called to, and what I've just outlined for you, then I'm also, for this reason, praying for you. Because the size of your assignment is going to need some prayers and going to need some things to supply it. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Did you know when you get, as we learned in these last few chapters, adopted into the family of God, you, become, you now have this inheritance that now you're no longer primarily identified by earthly things. You're now primarily identified now that you are in the family of God. And so now he says, look, you are now a part of this heavenly family. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you... I pray this a lot for new believers. I pray this a lot for some of you joining us online that you wouldn't just have an information of transfer, but that you would actually get rooted and established in love. You get grounded. You may have power, look at this, together with all the Lord's holy people. There's a lot of we, us, together, I'm warning you, in this whole Ephesians story. The Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Some of you haven't experienced that yet. Some of you have. For those of you that have, do you remember that moment where it went from 
a religious set of information or a historical understanding about Jesus to where it became revelatory, real, supernatural transfer that it's not just knowledge, but you begin to know that you are loved by him. You begin to know his love. He says, look, you're moving to that place where it surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to the measure of all the fullness of God. And here's a verse, if you don't have it in your arsenal, it's one that people love to grab a hold of because it's inspiring. It's inspiring because it reminds us of the God that we serve, that we tend to limit and bring down into our human understanding. It says, now to him who is able. You don't wanna trust a God who you don't think is able to handle whatever it is that you're going through. He is able to do immeasurably more, I love this, this right here, than all we could even ask or imagine. Some virgins say more than the things we can think up. He's able to do those kind of things according to the power that is in work within us. I have a friend of mine, a pastor on the East Coast, um, and I shared with you a few weeks ago about him and my, my prayers for him because he found a, they found a tumor in his neck and his spinal column called me this week and I've been praying this prayer over him along with thousands of other people across the nation and believers in his own church family. And he called me this week to say in the middle of his treatments, he went in and a set of Duke doctors looked at him and said, we are totally amazed that he, he expected that at this midway report, hopefully the tumor would have shrunk. It would have shrunk enough that maybe it could be operable or something like that. But he said, Jeff, you're not gonna believe this. He was just like totally, he said, I did not even imagine they would tell me it's totally gone. And I said, well, man, now to him who is able, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. He said, I didn't even have that part of my consciousness. I'm just like, Lord, can you just shrink it? And the Lord said, oh, I'm just gonna, sometimes he does. What we can't even imagine, what we can't even think up, he's that kind of God, but all of those things are the what that Paul is praying for them, but I want you to now move back up to verse 10, because in verse 10 and 11, we see that he's telling us more, not just about the what, but a little bit more about the how. And so how the framework of God's distribution of those things into their lives, he lays that out in verse 10 and 11, he says, his intent his intent, so this is intentional, on purpose, not haphazard, we hope it works out. His intent was now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Now that's not language that we commonly use, the manifold wisdom of God. What does that word manifold mean? Well, the best thing that I think you could get your hands around is like a rainbow. But when we think about a rainbow, we think about kindergarten, where we have like some construction paper or a big chief tablet and we start drawing these very distinct bands of colors and we put the favorite ones that we have. We put the red, the orange, the yellow, the blue. Some of you may be like the softer palette. And so my girls love to draw and so they make these rainbows and so you have these different things. But the truth is that's way too in the box and distinct to even get a hold of what's being talked about here a better description of the word manifold, this wisdom and picture of God is like light coming through the prism of water. A rainbow is really that. And so there's this multifaceted, this hard to describe, hard to get your hands around, 
beauty and awesomeness of the nature and character of God that then gets displayed into this natural realm and into the heavenly realm. And that's what it's talking about. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We're gonna talk about that a little bit in a minute. According to his eternal purpose, words like intentional, purposeful, says this, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we've talked about being known. We've talked about being strengthened by the fact that we have a seat in the heavenlies. But I wanna talk about something that, again, is a little bit pushes against our culture. It's not something, I know I've been doing this a while, so I had to really get real fired up and geared up in the spirit for a weekend like this because I, I realize when I say this, you're like, well, what, why should I really be excited about that? But it, it's the Bible pattern, picture, plan, intent, purpose. I wanna talk this week about through the church. Through the church. Again, don't, don't, don't have a thunderous applause. I mean, I, I'm like, okay, we're gonna talk about through the church. You're like, can we talk about our seed again? Can we talk about that strength again? Can we talk about that power again? Can we talk about being known? Can we talk about five ways that we might have a little better life? Can we talk about something other than that? Because I understand when you say through the church, everyone listening online or all weekend, there's a conjuring up of your experiences that influence what you think about that phrase. Through the church? Like, really? I know for me, when I you know, hear the word church, I grew up in church. For some of you, you think that is an experience that has to be endured. We didn't have soft chairs where I grew up going to church. We sat on the pew. We sat on a hard pew. We, we sang out of the hymnal. We sat on the pew. We listened to the pastor. You didn't have, we didn't have children's church. We didn't have Disney characters and prizes and all that stuff. You sat there on the pew. You listened to the preacher. Whether you were listening or not, you should act like you were. Because if you somewhat dozed off, if you began to think about where I'm going to go on Sunday afternoon to catch a fish or what I'm going to do with my friends this week, my mom couldn't detect it because she was a prayer person. She would grab you by that little hangy down part right there, that little fatty part, pinching hurt. Now, the church I grew up in, you didn't raise your hand. It wasn't like, we you didn't raise hands. No, 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 no. You didn't raise your hand unless you had a question. You know what I'm saying? And they weren't going to answer it because it wasn't part of the program. But <laughs> if she pinched and twist, you would get charismatic. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like. <laughs> so it's like, okay, like it's something to endure while we watch the clock to see if we can beat the Methodist down to the local cafe. So when God called me into ministry, I have to be honest. I'm like, seriously? Like, God, I want to do something effective, like be a pastor in the church. Like, I grew up, it's like, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors, there's no people. Like, is that really what we're going to do? Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm being, I'm just telling you, as I'm working through my teenage years, I'm like, through the church, you know, like Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus, aren't you going to do something else? Isn't there like a side strategy? Do you have like a plan B? Because these people, I don't know if they can get it done. It's like, isn't that like where codependent people hang out just to soothe their issues? Like, is this really your plan? Come on. You know you've thought this. And so I began, but how many of you know that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you don't let your experience dictate what you have as your focus or what you believe to be true. You let the word of God by faith stay the truth until your experience lines up with what God said. 
And so I had to work through that journey a little bit. I think now more than ever, some time to time, there are people that start seeing it, but the way our cultural world works today is that because of a, a digital connection, I'm seeing it more and more in our world today. That message Paul said there to that little group of new believers there on the bank of that port city when he said through the church, when their whole world was caustic against that, it's never been more important. Some of you, again, you say, well, I'm connected. I've got, you know, I've got a digital connection. By the way, you can find out how popular you are. The average person has 337 Facebook friends. So go home today and you can find out if you are, you know, popular. Because if you have more than 337, you're a digital influencer. You know what I'm saying? There's an ad company waiting to hire you today. But with more digital connection, and thank God for the fact that through this pandemic, we've, been, I got, we've got people in our church for different reasons that we're able to continue to, to have a way to, to give the message of the gospel. People are being saved. But I wanna, I wanna say, just a transfer of information is not enough. It's not enough, and that's not what he's talking about just through the church, is that we have some of those connections, yet I understand that it can be a painful thing. I understand that a lot of times when you see all the we's, by the way, this book, is, it's, it's hard to translate into our cultural context. Paul's writing to a context that thinks more we, thinks more unity. It's a different cultural context. There's a lot of we, us, together with God's holy people language in here. And a lot of times you can get hurt in the we. There's some of you, you've been hurt in the we. I have. I've had horrendous church hurts, pains. In fact, I think one of the ways that you can actually ensure the enemy will stop you from what God has for you is to let those hurts and pains stop you from believing in what God wants to do and still having a heart for people and loving people. It's how you process some of that that really impacts whether or not you're a part of God's plan in the future. And so I, I, I understand where you're coming from. Some people say, well, you should talk about the church. I mean, you're a pastor. No, 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 I don't talk about it just because I'm a pastor. It's because I see not only the value and prioritization of it in the scripture, but I see it in the everyday lives of people after 20 plus years of preaching what I'm preaching to you. And by the way, when I say the church, you're like, well, are you talking about Milestone Church? No, I wanna say, because we have people, thousands of people watching from all over the country. Look, if it's not Milestone Church, you need to find your team. You need to find a local church. Like and people say, well, you know, we are the church. We are the church. And we love the Big C Church here at Milestone Church. We help pastors, we help every, because we believe the local church, speaking and preaching the name of Jesus is the hope. We help every kind of church. We help churches in our area, but listen, no, no matter where it is, you need to find that place because it is the Big C Church, but it's not also you on the golf course and Jesus. You need, and that ecclesia word here is the called out ones, and if you really study the scripture, it denotes that there's a leadership infrastructure, a commitment to the team, and yes, I'm gonna say it, some accountability that you need. You need it. You need some accountability to other relationships and people and to be dependent on and using your gifts, and, and you need some of that. Why? Because it grows you up, and it's what God has called us to through the church. I, I realize that for some of you, you're still wrapping your mind around that. 
It's not, the churches are not buildings. Thank God for buildings. We have a world today where we're like, oh, who cares about the buildings? No, I've, I've pastored many churches when, when we didn't have a building. I mean, furniture stores, phone companies, Milestone Church. We started in a cafetorium. Trust me, this is better. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's better to have a place to serve people. We've met in cafetoriums, rented buildings. We used to be in a grocery store behind Taco Casa. That's the house of the taco, if you don't know what it is. All along, though, I will tell you this. It's the buildings are there to serve, but it's, it's, it's the people. It's the people. It's the people that make up the fabric of that. And not just the people when they gather, though we need to gather so we can spur one another on, but it's those people as they go out into their worlds. They go different. They go change. You say, okay, through the church, what does that really mean? What do, when you say connected, what happens when you connect? Well, number one, you connect to God's intentional plan, his strategy, his plan. You're like, do tell. Okay. It's the landscape of the Bible. Ephesians is just centering in on the core message of the Bible. God himself, our God, who is one, is also three. And for all eternity, there was, a never, there was never a time where he was not God or did not exist, but existed in relational harmony, mind-blowing, three in one. This relational God decided to create human beings to have a relationship with. He created the first man. He said, it's not good. It's not good for him to be alone. Hear me. It's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. There is so much because of the movement of our world today where a lot of people are around more people than they've ever been around, but yet they are alone in their life. And there's no amount of stuff that you can consume that can fill the vacuum of being alone. He said you need to have a partner, so he gave him Eve, and then they sinned. There was a sin that happens because they sinned, and this is what always happens with sin. They begin to hide from God. They begin to run from God. They begin to be ashamed. They begin to recognize that they were naked. And then not only did there, have, there was this moment of broken fellowship with the God who created them, but it started breaking down their relationships. This is the original problem. This is the problem we have in our world today. Broken fellowship with God breaks fellowship with others breaks relationship with others, breaks the ability for us to be in unity with others. That is the original problem. And it's been on the planet since that very beginning. Yet God says, I am going to provide a way for it to be redeemed. By the way, it started breaking down relationship between brothers. Cain goes and forms the first city. He has a different uh, expression there. And although God in that first human being had the expression of all cultures and languages and people, there was also, as a result of sin, a scattering that separated humanity into multiple different places. Not long after that, you see this moment where there's this city where they have their own language to kind of be their own way to God. And so all along, you see this, this, this formation of all these different people and identifying themselves in different ways. And along comes Jesus. Jesus who comes as one of us. He's not born from a male man human seed, but born of the Holy Spirit conceived by a virgin. And a virgin gives, and so he now comes as the solution 
to this, uh, this broken relationship that man has with the God who created them, dies on the cross, raises from the dead, and I'm so glad that Jesus modeled relational life. He didn't model just a knowledge and the information, if I get you enough truth, you will change. He modeled relational life with people. I'm so honored to serve a Jesus who walked with people. John 11:35. I love that one. You want this one if you have a memory quiz of some sort. If, you wanna, if you're in vacation Bible school, this is the verse out of the Bible you wanna get as your memory verse. Jesus wept. There's people who never read the Bible, but they go, I think he cried in there somewhere. John eleven thirty five. he wept, but a lot of people know Jesus wept is in the Bible, but they don't know why he was crying. He was crying because he had some friends. Jesus had some friends. He would stay with them when he traveled around in ministry excursions, and he shows up and Lazarus has died. Now he and his, in his, his supernatural, deified understanding knew he would raise him from the dead, but really Jesus also could feel the grief of his friends. I'm so glad Jesus could feel and sense the grief of his friends, and Jesus cried. The early church, then, as he sends these disciples out on mission, and this is a powerful moment, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down. What a picture, not only of Jesus now restoring this relationship, but then the Holy Spirit comes down. Did you know, go read it in Acts chapter two. All those people who had different expressions, different cultures, different languages, different identifications, you may not have known this, they're in that moment at Pentecost. It says that there were people from Rome, there were people from Europe, there were Africans there, there were people from Egypt, there were people from Africa, there were Arabs, there were people from all over that came together and as they had been separated by their own languages, their own different expressions, they came and they heard the language of heaven. They heard one language and they came together as his church empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they began to turn the world upside down. They began to change the environment of their world, and by the way, they were never on the top side of power, always on the bottom side of power, but they changed the landscape, and not, not too a, a long amount of time, they began to change the world through the church. It's his plan, it's his plan. It's his strategy. Jesus said, I don't know anywhere else, I've studied the gospel since I was a kid where Jesus said, I will build something. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so I just said, I wanna build it with you. When I mentor young men, I tell them, love is church. Love is church. We do manhood ceremonies with young men. I'm usually a bawling mess where I'm telling them, we talk about their future and we sit down with them. I did one with my nephew uh, last Sunday night. And I, and, I, and I say, look, this is not about you going into ministry full time. I'm not talking about getting a check from the church. I'm not but I tell them, if you end up as a business person, a, my, my nephew wants to be a pro athlete. We don't know if it's gonna happen, but he's strong. I said, if you end up as a pro athlete, love Jesus and Jesus loves his church. Live to build his church. Jesus said, I will build it. It's his strategy. Can I just, if we got half as excited about the actual plan as we do everything else, we would have already turned our generation's world upside down. I'm talking about the Bible plan. 
Not your plan or someone else's agenda for you from the media or wherever else you're getting your information. I'm talking about the information from heaven and God's plan for our generation. It's his strategy. Revelation 7, 9 says how it's all gonna end up, by the way. After this I looked, this is looking out into the end, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. In the end we win, I hate to tell you, we win no matter what. Because of Jesus and because he will gather us under that name. Second of all, you connect to vital relationships. I'm talking about vital relationships. I'm not talking about something that's nice. Can the pastor speak for just a minute? A lot of people have been speaking and talking to you about what you need in this hour. In fact, I get a little bit touchy with ad campaigns and people selling you something and popular people who live behind gates who don't live with real people who are saying we're in this together. No, we're not. Get with the pastor for a day with people. Get with our pastoral care department that is overloaded more than ever before with the needs of real people, marriages in trouble, depression at an all-time high, young people who already had suicidal challenges that because the enemy has disconnected us from vital life-giving relationships, the Bible says that is not wise according to the book of Proverbs and every time the enemy can disconnect you, he can diminish the plan. He can disconnect you from the relationships that you need. When you get in that storm, an isolated sheep can get killed. Can get killed. And we are running around prioritizing all kinds of things, and I'm not saying all of it is bad. But I can't tell you how many parents I've said, man, we're the best piano players, we're the best musicians, we got the best select baseball, but you don't have them in church. And when they have a problem in kid pain, there's no pain like kid pain, they come running saying, can you help? Can you help? Can you help? Can you help? Do it before the problem. Do it before the problem. My mom had me on that pew, listening to that Bible, memorizing those scriptures. Was I perfect? No, but because I was in the church, learning the word of God, getting taught by people older than me, it protected me from a lot of stupidness. That we all have a propensity towards stupid? Come on now, you're one step from stupid. We all have it. I'm not talking about nice, I'm talking about vital. The people that have survived the last few months the best are those that built relationships before the storm. I preached it for 20 plus years. Your destiny's tied to your relationships, show me who you're connected to, I'll show you your future. Those relationships have been a lifeline, have been a resource. Study in Harvard, most exhaustive study since the 1930s. I, I, I know this about you couple of things that we are. We are intentional people. What we deem to be important, we prioritize. We're not haphazard people. You guys have four or five calendars. We now have it on our phone. I have a calendar on my phone and I have people that have authority to put stuff on the calendar. So I have to start every week with my wife, my assistant. I'm like, what do they have planned for my life this week? Y'all know what I'm talking about. We're organized, intentional people. And we also care about our health. That's another thing we care about. Did you know Harvard did a study? They found a lot of things. Most, one of the most exhaustive studies they ever did from the 1930s 
And they discovered one of the number one findings was the health of your relationships at 50 will determine your physical health by the time you're 80. So thank God for working out. Thank God for kale. You'd rather eat a burger with the people God's called you to walk with than eat kale and be alone. I'm telling you, that's biblical. That's what Paul is saying to these people. I believe that part is biblical because I would rather have the burger than kale. The other stuff tastes like grass. Number three, you connect to God's supernatural supply. That's really what I'm talking about here. There's a supernatural protection, right? Digitalization, urbanization, mobilization, globalization. The great things in your life, the eternal stuff, the soul stuff, you can't DoorDash, you can't get off of Amazon. It's gonna be fought out in prioritizing what God's talking about. But I also wanna tell you, it's not just here in the natural, it's in the supernatural realm. Now some of you didn't grow up around a church where they talked about spiritual warfare. There's a spiritual battle. How many of you have heard somebody in 2020 say, I feel like I'm under spiritual attack? <laughs> Come on, all of us? You know why you feel like you're under spiritual attack? Because you are. There is a real devil and he hates you. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I don't know if they taught you this in your church growing up, but the spiritual world impacts the natural world. The spiritual world was here before the natural world, and the spiritual world is more real than the natural world. And Paul's saying to this group of people that he loves while he's on his knees in prison praying for them, he's saying to them that through the church, this thing you can dismiss, especially if you've had challenges or if it might require some sacrifice, there's a shield there there's a display to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. God is God and he is God alone and he can supply to your life anything he wants, any way he wants. I'm only saying one of his distribution mechanisms that is devalued in our world. One of the ways, we're gonna learn that as it talk, starts talking to us even more in Ephesians. There's these joinings that become the supply avenue from which he distributes some things to your life. We've experienced it in the natural where God sometimes wants to take you to do something and he connects you. Did you know, you may be even right now, if you'll make the choice to connect, preparing an infrastructure in the heavenly realms for the display of God's goodness and power against the things that the enemy wants to bring into your life. You may be preparing for tomorrow's storm now. I love this story right here, our small groups department. I said, hey, I always just love for them to send me stories because I love to see it work and I love to see when it happens. I love to see it. So we all the time are talking about those and Amber and Brian, they did a trip. Everyone got sick. The parents got really sick. They had to drive back here. When they're driving back, their small group begins to go into action to mobilize. Who's gonna be there when you have your crisis? Who's gonna be there with you? Who's gonna stand with you? Again, I say this to the online community out there, all of you. One of the things that we're praying about all the time is, again, thank God for the gospel being preached, that the, pre the preaching of the gospel, people get saved online. Thank God for the truth that can change your mind and affect your beliefs, but 
Anonymity is one of the challenges because it's a one, it can just be a one-way thing. We have trouble a lot of times getting people to engage with the chat. Give us your phone number, pray. Why am I saying that? Because God wants to get you connected so that there will actually be people. Thank God for podcasts. Thank God for preaching. Thank God for content. That's all great. It's just incomplete. Your podcast can't be there for you when you have a crisis. So you have to have those relationships, and that's what happened in this. They started praying for them. They brought them groceries for three weeks, and here was the thing I wanted to highlight. A teacher in our community and his wife, they said this because we connected to some relationships. They said this, our small group was the tangible presence of God in that moment. They were the conduit from which they experienced the love of God that we're talking about, and that's how God does it. In our busy Overcommitted, consumer oriented, leisure driven, entertainment focused world today. It's not like 50 years ago where people had a lot more familial infrastructure around their lives. We are scattered to the four corners of the world, leaving behind the, the connectivity and relationships. We may have more resources, we may have more convenience, but I'm telling you from the Word of God, the plan has not changed through the church. Are you connected is a question I want you to ask. Am I connected? I didn't say, are you connected to information? Are you connected to preaching? Are you, are you connected to the place God's called you to walk? I'm gonna ask you to honestly evaluate that. And we're so serious about it here. The reason we do everything we do is to help you with that. You can text this number. If you're online right now, text CONNECT to this number. Our team will serve you. If you need prayer, you need to get connected to the grow track, you wanna learn how to use your gifts, you wanna find us, whatever it is, we wanna help you get connected because God wants you to be connected. I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet. The first prayer I wanna pray, and I wanna pray these scriptures over you that I've been every week, but first of all, there's some of you listening to me you heard maybe Nick's story where he said, I thought you had to do something, but I didn't know I could have a relationship with Jesus. You heard me frame the fact there's this separation and you wanna have that relationship. All you have to do is say, Jesus, come into my life. I receive you today, become my Lord and Savior. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead. I accept you today. If you pray that and mean it, we wanna know, we wanna help you start getting rooted and grounded and established. Second of all, I wanna pray right now, Lord, I pray for every person who is disconnected. I believe there's some people listening to me right now that were connected but are disconnected now. It worked great for a little while in quarantine. You watch the messages, you're online, you've kinda of just gotten out of sorts with really practicing your faith and God's saying, come on back, re-engage, get connected, get connected. Get back in the flow of living on mission and using your gifts and being who God's called you to be. Some of you, you've gotten isolated and the enemies beat you up and you know, hey, I, I, I can't go there. I can't go and continue down that path. Others of you, you didn't even know it was an option, but Lord, we thank you today that you have a place for all of us. Lord, we, we, we are thankful that you don't leave us alone. You are with us and you place us in your family. I'm gonna read this verse over you now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Lord, we thank you that you have more than we could ever ask or imagine. You wanna work in our lives. And his intent was that now through the church, 
The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.